0: This is Audio Insights from Route Consultant. This community of contractors is always on the go, so we've created a resource to move with you. Join me, Spencer Patton, as I talk with my team, fellow contractors, and vendors about our industry. There's a quick disclaimer I need to read. Route Consultant is not endorsed by and is not recommended by Federal Express Corporation and FedEx Ground. Route Consultant is not sponsored by, is not approved by, is not associated with, and has no connection whatsoever with Federal Express Corporation or FedEx Ground.
1: Hi Spencer, it's great to be back on the podcast today.
0: Hey there, it's great to be back.
1: We talked in our last episode about working capital and the first 60 days of expenses for FedEx contractors. Today we're going to dive into detail about remote ownership. Before we do that though, let's take a few minutes at the top to talk about current events. We're recording here in June 2020, in the midst of protests and riots across the country. I know this is impacting FedEx contractors nationwide and your organizations personally. So can you speak to some real-time crisis management lessons you're learning right now?
0: Yeah, it's amazing. These podcasts, it seems like every month there's some major world-changing event that we are having to deal with as FedEx ground contractors Uh, COVID-19 and the surge of e-commerce volume has been a game changer for us in the volume that we've been dealing with and just uh, the realities of the surge in residential deliveries. And uh, now we have the uh, riots across the country that are resulting in a very real threat to a lot of the delivery personnel as they're out and about on the streets and uh, usually, we're just used to dealing with like whether the roads are icy, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, I mean, we're not used to having to to, to deal with uh, uh, having vehicles assaulted, and uh, you know, whether it's assaulted by people or assaulted by packages, uh, it's it's happening in in both ways. So, uh, what what I can say is this. FedEx Ground does a great job of essentially giving a message that you are the captain of your ship, right? That's, that's kind of what they say internally. And what they mean by that is that us as contractors are given complete autonomy that when we feel like something is not safe, that's what we have to say. And that's kind of like the end of the discussion with FedEx Ground. If we say the roads are too icy and I do not feel comfortable putting my staff on the road, there will not be further pressure of saying, well, you know, can, can you push it a little bit or, you know, you're being a wimp or, you know, something like that. There's, there, there is a, a good bright line that is respected around safety. Uh, FedEx Ground does give a messaging that it is safety above all. And we all know that there's packages that have to get delivered and we have to take every reasonable measure sometimes to be safe while still getting the packages delivered. But in times like this, uh, I have delivery operations in 10 different states and I am in some states where it is not safe to deliver and we have shut down delivery operations until we either have armed security that are going to accompany our vehicles or until the protests and riots are completed. Uh, We just, uh, it's just too dangerous and we've seen in cases across the country where FedEx vehicles are being specifically targeted and uh, many have been taken at gunpoint and just some things that are truly scary and uh, somewhat unprecedented in our history. So uh, it's just a, a time that we have to be very mindful of the safety of our drivers and recognize that at the end of the day, we're delivering cardboard boxes with stuff inside of it, right? It's not worth anybody's life. Uh, so whether it's weather, whether it's packages, whether it's just being in a rush because of all the volume that we're dealing with, it's still safety first. And that's a message that I want to make sure that everybody hearing this podcast as they become FedEx contractors uh, remembers that it's never going to be a good enough excuse if you have a safety accident to say, well, you know, we, we were uh, out there trying to get the packages delivered and this happened. Uh, we're given great autonomy to be able to protect the safety of our employees.
1: That's a really good note. Thanks for sharing. Let's transition now to talking about today's topic, which is remote ownership. We get this question all of the time and a lot of detailed questions. So, to start, can you tell us why you very intentionally refer to it as remote ownership instead of absentee ownership? For
0: sure. This is one of the top questions that we get probably right after how much money do these routes make anyway? <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> they want to know about margins right after that question. Uh, we see people want to know about what uh, remote and sometimes what's referred to as absentee ownership. So, what I always correct people, and sometimes it's a, it's a little cheeky, but I I say, you can be a remote owner, you cannot be an absentee owner. And, and I understand what people are saying is that when they say an absentee owner they're not meaning that they are just kind of gonna have this as mailbox money and sit it and forget it but I, I very intentionally make sure that people understand that this business is not mailbox money business. Um, Any business that you buy that is advertised to you as mailbox money business is probably snake oil, right? Um, And I am not selling snake oil. I will recognize that this business certainly has the ability to be owned remotely, but it cannot be run in a absentee manner where you are just not involved in any capacity whatsoever. So we'll talk about over the evolution of of this podcast and the materials that you get from me about uh, what the normal responsibilities of ownership are and what responsibilities can be outsourced but make sure that as you begin this FedEx journey, you recognize it's completely okay if you do not live in the same city as where you own operations. Like for me, I own operations in 10 different states. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I I can't be in all locations at all time but I'm anything but absentee. I have my finger on the pulse of what's happening in the business. I make sure that I monitor and that I measure the results. Uh, One of the sayings that I use in my staff, and and they hear me say all the time, is that if you can't measure it, you can't change it, right? You can't manage it. So the key to being able to manage your business is being able to measure your business.
1: Okay, really interesting. I want to dive into that. So let's start at the very top. And one of those most asked questions about remote ownership is, how far away can I look for potential opportunities?
0: So the first thing that I give to people when I hear that question is I I use my own personal example. So the very first FedEx operation that I purchased, I lived in Nashville, Tennessee, and I bought an operation in Springfield, Illinois, which is a five-hour and 15-minute drive door-to-door. And I've done that a drive a number of times. And that's probably about the furthest distance that I would encourage you to purchase for a pickup and delivery operation. So there's gonna be a different answer on line hall that we'll, we'll cover in a minute. But for pickup and delivery operation, what I'd like to see you do is look at wherever you live and draw a concentric circle around uh, where you're at on the map of five and a half hours worth of driving and say, we're going to end up somewhere in this radius for the purchase. Uh, the rationale behind it is that I still want you to be close enough to the business that if you need to get there, you can be there. Uh, maybe you're comfortable flying somewhere. Maybe that's okay on the budget or maybe you'd rather be somewhere where you can just drive. Generally, if you're driving three or four hours, it's almost faster to, I'm sorry, if you're flying three or four hours, like it's, it's faster to drive, right? It's just going to be by the time you sit in the airport and go through security and all the stuff, like you could just get there uh, by driving. So, I would say uh, that five-hour radius is important because ultimately, if I needed to be at a business by 8 a.m. in the morning and I'm five hours away, like worst, worst case, I'll get up at 3 a.m. in the morning, I'll get my coffee <laughs> and I'll drive to the operation and I'll be there by 8, right? And, and there may be a time change that happens between uh, here and there and, and that may help help your, your cause or it may hurt your cause. But uh, ultimately... People fall in love with trying to buy a business that delivers to their own house, right? There's something cute about that of just like, oh, I can I can get paid for delivering to my own house when I order online <laughs> and, and I have been in those shoes, right? I used to deliver to my own house and I can tell you it wears off quickly. <laughs> uh, it's much better to buy a business that is healthy, that's the right fit for you within a reasonable driving proximity of where you're at.
1: Okay. So you mentioned that line haul is a little different. So let's get into that. How is remote ownership different for someone interested in a line haul operation?
0: So for line haul, it's different in that the operation for line haul, the vast majority of it runs while you sleep. So there's a little bit of line haul that runs during the daytime, but the overwhelming majority runs from about 8 p.m. at night to 5 a.m. the following morning. So even if you were living near the terminal where line haul operations were occurring, you're probably not going to be there and uh, witnessing and interacting with the drivers in the middle of the night, right? That's probably not why you're getting into this business. Particularly if you have team runs, which is where there's two drivers in the truck and they run across the country. Oftentimes, those drivers aren't even at the terminal, but one or two days a week. So for example, I have an operation that leaves from Northern Kentucky and it goes all the way to California. And so those drivers roll back into Northern Kentucky at like 2 a.m. halfway through the week and so they can go out to California and drive back and they are literally there for about an hour and it's at 2 a.m. in the morning. So it doesn't really do you much good if you lived on the front doorstep of the terminal. What's far more important in the line haul side is the phone communication and the ways that you show appreciation to your drivers. So like if your drivers get a edible arrangement from you um, or you send that to their spouse and say, hey, I I know that your spouse is out on the road this week uh, working for the company and I just want to take a moment to say thank you that we appreciate what you're doing. Um, or if you have uh, a set of toiletries that is left in the seat, so that way when the drivers show up for their first shift, they've got like some quality shampoo and some healthy snacks. And I know for many of you, that may sound weird, like I'm giving another dude shampoo, like what <laughs> What am I doing here? Um, but the, the rationale is that when you're out on the road and you're taking a shower and gas station showers, like how good is that shampoo and uh, the kind of, materials that they make available to you, not very good, right? Uh, The gas station food that you're consuming, uh, not very healthy for you. So whether they even just throw it away, it's just the, the thought that you're caring for them and showing that you know that they're more than a number. And so you can do that from anywhere in the country. So there's a lot of line haul ownership that lives in California and they own operations in Kentucky. And there's people that live in Florida and own operations in New Jersey. So uh, you can really own from a line haul perspective from a much further distance away than the pickup and delivery side.
1: Okay, so talking a little bit more detailed here, can you talk about what an AO is and what their responsibilities are?
0: So FedEx Ground has an abbreviation for everything. (laughs) When when you become a contractor, you will truly learn a new language that will look like hieroglyphics at times. Because there's just if for any of my listeners that have military background, you'll you'll relate in saying that there is a lot of abbreviations for everything. And FedEx Ground uh, abbreviates AO as what's called an authorized officer. So that means that's the the individual that has signing authority for the contracts, uh, you're seen in FedEx Grounds eyes as the boss. So many people that own the business also put themselves as the authorized officer. I'd say 95% of the time that's the case because if you own it, you want to have signing authority on the contract. There's a couple times where some people may own the business but just like some owners of businesses will appoint a CEO, the CEO doesn't always have any ownership in the business, right? They could just be an employee. So in rare circumstances that may happen. But in the traditional sense, the authorized officer that is the owner of the business, probably what many of you are considering becoming if you purchase one of these FedEx routes, is a what I consider a back office responsibility. That's really what I see my role as an authorized officer is that I want my manager that is boots on the ground and showing up at the terminal every day to be responsible for two things. I want them responsible for people and I want them responsible for trucks. So meaning I want to make sure that everybody shows up every day and then I want to make sure that all the trucks start. If those two things happen each morning, you're probably well on your way to having a successful day. But if one of those two things doesn't work, (laughs) you're on your way to an unsuccessful day. So I wanna make sure that I try to take all of the other responsibilities off of my local manager. So I'm focused on things like payroll, I'm focused on things like bookkeeping, I'm focused on things like recruiting, doing the title work for the vehicles, doing the registration, uh, remitting child support for the employees and just making sure that all of the administrative side of the house is taken care of, paying bills and many of those things you can choose to outsource, right? so. I started off being a bookkeeper for my own organization and that was not a good decision. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can limp my way through QuickBooks but ultimately, I am not going to be uh, nominated for the world's greatest accountant. Uh, I needed to outsource that at the beginning and I outsourced it later and once I outsourced it, I looked at myself and I was like, oh my gosh, why didn't I do this two years ago? So. Uh, That long and short of it is the authorized officer in my setup does a lot of the back office work and you're also pressuring, not pressuring is the right word, you're testing your manager to be thinking about contingency plans, right? So asking the manager, what happens if we didn't have an employee show up today? And then what happens if we didn't have an employee show up today and someone was already on vacation? What would we do in those scenarios? So you want to be helping your managers think strategically about how they would resolve problems so that way you can be prepared for when they come.
1: Okay. So, you know, we've talked about people in trucks at a high level because we know in any organization, these are the keys to success. So, specifically in remote ownership, what do you tell potential investors they need to focus on to succeed? Is it still people in trucks or are there additional things you would recommend?
0: So people in trucks is is always the cornerstone of success in this space. Uh, All the content that you consume and hear from me and route consultant and any member of my team will tell you that uh, spending a, a disproportionate amount of time making sure you have a great strategy around recruiting, and a great strategy around fleet management. Those two things are absolutely essential uh, for the success of the business. But there's other things too that are kind of the, uh, I don't wanna say decorative elements, but they're the things that turn a business that is just average to a business that's elite. So, thinking about the culture of the business, right? You can have a good recruiting plan and you can have a good fleet strategy but if the drivers that are showing up every day don't really understand who they're working for, they don't understand why they're working and they haven't really seen any kind of evidence of the appreciation for their work, then you're just gonna have a different motivation in your workforce. So, like I encourage all of my managers, even though I haven't been to some of the terminals in quite some time, I will encourage my managers, hey, we need to every month do a little cookout, right? We want to uh, bring in breakfast uh, for the drivers. Let's, let's buy during the wintertime, let's buy everybody flashlights and let's buy everybody hand warmers and let's buy everybody, you know, X, Y, and Z things, right? Um, things that show the drivers that you care Uh, Those things don't just happen organically, right? That's gonna take effort from you, it's gonna take money from you to make sure that you have your manager execute on those things or if you're living somewhere near the terminal have that be when you show up, right? I mean, you can be a person that, that shows up to the building and says, hey, um, I want to just come in to show my appreciation for everybody and I'm bringing hamburgers and hot dogs or whatever it may be or you can take your drivers out uh, once a month or once a quarter for them and a significant other to a local O'Charlie's or, you know, whatever chain restaurant is near you. It can be an Applebee's, you know, what, whatever part of the country you're listening on. Uh, Just to to show an appreciation, that's going to cost you a couple hundred bucks, but it's uh, something special and helps craft the culture of your organization other than just the X's and O's of basic execution of operations.
1: Okay. So on the reverse side of it, where are the pitfalls in remote ownership? How might someone fail as a remote owner?
0: The first thing around failing as a remote owner is getting out of touch with your business. So one of the key things that I have with my managers is I never want to hear something from FedEx ground that I haven't already heard from my local manager. So if we had a bad day of service, if we had an accident, if we had something happen It is never acceptable that I hear from the FedEx senior manager calling me up and saying, Hey, Spencer, did you know that you have 80 boxes that are sitting on the floor today that are not going out for delivery? Um, If I have to say, well, gosh, I I actually didn't know that. Let me go and research and see what's happening. I look so out of touch, right? And, And that loses... Uh, the manager's confidence. It loses the senior manager that the employee of FedEx Ground loses confidence in my ability to stay in touch with this organization and get something fixed. So when a senior manager calls me, I want them to know that A, I know more about the operation than what they know. And I should, right? Because I'm the owner of the operation. But I want to know it so well that they're somewhat convinced that I have the place bugged. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That I have cameras on the walls of their building. Um, That's how much communication that I want from my manager when something goes wrong. Um, And it's not always when something goes wrong. Like if something funny happens or if something uh, positive happens, I want to know that too, right? I don't want just all the negative stuff. So I I think making sure that your manager understands how important it is that you are kept abreast of what's going on with your organization is a really important part. The more that you get complacent with the business, the more that you kind of just let the momentum carry your company where it's going to carry it, the more dangerous it gets in terms of you becoming more of an absentee owner rather than a remote owner that's still very dialed into the pulse of the business.
1: Okay, so we did mention at the top that this is one of our top questions. How common is it actually though to be a remote owner? And are you seeing remote owners grow as a group?
0: So there's a transition happening right now amongst FedEx ground contractors. There's some 5,000 FedEx ground contractors in the United States. And I would say the existing contractor base on the pickup and delivery side, may have somewhere between 5 and 10% worth of remote ownership, right? So it's definitely a minority. And on the line haul side, I would say remote ownership is more like a third, uh, probably not up to 50%, but somewhere between a third and 50% are remote owners. In both categories, we are seeing remote ownership increase. So for people that are coming in on the pickup and delivery side, people that are coming in on the line haul side are bringing a higher level of business savvy and business sophistication to running their company and they're able to operate things remotely. Um, it's very important to have good training and a good understanding of what you are buying when you're getting into this space. And that's why we exist to help give that education and make sure that you have confidence that you are buying what you think you're buying. Uh, So we're seeing remote ownership definitely increase and we're seeing multi-terminal ownership definitely increase as contractors are enjoying their experience in one building and then adding to another building somewhere else on the network.
1: Okay. I feel like this is really great information, really in depth. And we cover this type of content and much more in our consulting. So can you talk a little bit about our consulting program and why it might be a good fit for a new investor?
0: The core of what we do at Rao Consultant is education-based marketing, right? I am a big believer that if I can come here on a webinar, if I can meet you uh, on podcasts, uh, if I can uh, meet you in person at events, and I can engage with you via articles, like as much free stuff as I can possibly provide, then I will add value to your experience about learning uh, of what it takes to contract with FedEx Ground. And then at some point, Uh, we have kind of our premium content to say, all right, I've shown you enough at no charge to convince you that there may be something here, right? That you've really learned more than what you ever thought you would know about (laughs) delivery of FedEx Ground and you're ready to take the next step of saying, all right, Spencer, I want to engage with you in a consulting capacity to really know and leave this uh, conversation with confidence of whether this is the right opportunity for me or whether it's not. So we have all types of different consulting curriculum. Uh, You can engage with me directly. Uh, You can engage through our online platform that we have at Route Consultant where we've got a really uh, world-class educational platform to give you videos and audio about all of the things that I wish that I knew when I got started with FedEx Ground. Uh, We have virtual summits that we're doing where I lead a seminar for 10 hours of all the things that I wish that I knew when I got started as a FedEx contractor. Um, I teach those every 45 days. So you can go to the events button at routeconsultant.com and see when our next summits are are, going to happen. We're doing some of them virtual and some of them live in person. So there's a lot of different ways to engage with us. Uh, we have marketing materials that we can show you the different consulting offerings that we have. Uh, my true heart is to be an educator. I love entrepreneurism and I love the opportunity to be able to teach people that they can own their own business and that they can get uh, income that is free of the kind of corporate ladder uh, and you know, there's good things with the corporate ladder and bad things but uh, there's also great things that come with entrepreneurship. So. Uh, that's uh, a a way that you can start to engage with us of of interacting with our team. Send us an email, give us a call and we'll outline exactly the different pathways that you can choose with us if you want to engage with us further in a consultative uh, capacity.
1: Great information. And thanks again, Spencer. These conversations are always fun and I'm looking forward to our chat next month.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Kylie.